All right, guys. Welcome to Brolosophy. Today, we are sponsored proudly by True Protein. True Protein are simply the best supplement company in the business. They support us. We support them. They're bloody unreal. They support some of the... Um, some of the most successful professional sporting clubs in Australia. If you go on their um, social media handles, you'll see that they've got many different fitness um, fitness industry professionals and and um, athletes that that are true protein athletes. They're just bloody great. They're they're a great company, great crew. We support them. We love them, um, and you should love them too. So you can. Get 10% off at True Protein if you go to trueprotein.com.au and use the code BRO. That's trueprotein.com.au. Use the code BRO and you will get uh, 10% off. Also, guys, we are brought to you by Yeti. So what is a Yeti? Yeti's a premium outdoor cooler brand that started making some serious noise in the Australian marketplace. So basically, guys, Yeti have been around for a long time and they dominate the United States um, cooler market and they've just landed in Australia and NZ. Yeti have created a new standard for coolers and their two hard cooler models, the Tundra and the Rhodey, were at the forefront of this mission. Um, we've used a Tundra at my co-working space for a very long time now. Anytime we have parties, all the beers and all the drinks go in the tundra and it's bloody unreal. They stay cold for longer and um, yeah, they're just the best. Born out of frustration with coolers that cracked, caved and gave up, Yeti set out to improve three main elements, durability, extended ice retention and weather resistance. So what's a Yeti worth? You basically get what you pay for, guys. A high quality cooler you'll never have to replace, superior insulation, a freezer quality gasket and supreme insulation power to join forces to deliver unmatched heat and ice retention. They're indestructible virtually. These coolers have been attacked by bears, chucked out of moving trucks, hit by semis, dropped out of planes, and they still and they're still game for more. Five year warranty on all coolers, proof that our products proof that their products live up to their customers' expectations. To learn more, jump on Yeti, jump online at Yeti. And go to yeti.com.au forward slash Athena and you'll never look back. I would love to see these coolers attacked by bears. That would be bloody hilarious. Um, you know, cooler one, bear zero. That would be sick. So um, anyway, I don't have any proof of the, uh, of the bear versus uh, Yeti cooler fight. But if I can find some, we'll, um, we'll throw it on our socials so you guys can check it out. Check out yeti.com.au forward slash bro. And you will not look back. Also, guys, we're brought to you by Athena today. So Athena is a company that I founded with uh, my friend Drew Slater and his lovely wife Madeline Slater. And we're an excellent company. Uh, <laughs> sounds a bit uh, sounds a bit biased, but I don't really care. So basically, what we do at Athena is we take really talented freelancers from all over the world. And we help align them with our clients to fit the needs of their business. So every business that, uh, that we partner with, they have a number of things that they want to get off their plate. So for example, if you are a small business and you're you know, chasing failed payments and, and, and doing all your account management, plugging in your low-grade social media stuff, doing all your own research, uh, data entry, blah, 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 blah. Not all tasks are equal inside of a business, guys. So in the example that I just used, there's all those tasks inside of that one particular business. 
there's also going to be a lot of high value tasks inside of that one business. And what we try and do is we try and make sure that we free the entrepreneur up the business owner to focus on the high value tasks, sales, marketing, retention based, you know, protocols, rather than focusing on data entry, account management, so on and so forth. We take extremely over talented, um, over uh, sorry, talented, overqualified people, and we plug them into our clients' businesses for a quarter of the price of what they would pay locally. So supporting small business, helping people get more time back in their life, scale their business and help more people in their uh, in their market. So if you want 20 hours free of our virtual assistant services, then you can get that at athena.co. So that's Athena with a Y. In the inquiry box, use the code BRO when you set up your demo and then you'll get 20 hours free. Anyway, here's the show. Now before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one, no touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo. Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. Welcome to the Brolosophy podcast. I'm sitting here with Lillian Dickmans from Real Food Healthy Body. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, so yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, who are you? What fires you up? Um, yeah. Yeah, um, well, I've sort of born in Melbourne, live in Melbourne, um, love food, obviously, and mm-hmm. cooking, which is kind of what um, led me to create Real Food Healthy Body. It was mm-hmm. uh, back when I was actually working um, at a law firm, so I did law at uni and mm-hmm. worked as a lawyer for a period of time, and during that time, I think I was craving a bit of a creative outlet, and mm-hmm. cooking was something that I always liked to do in my spare time, so I... Um, yeah, started the website while I was still at the firm and basically decided that I wanted to be working in a more creative space. So I quit the job at the law firm and um, focused on Real Food Healthy Body full-time for a period there. Um, mm-hmm. I went through a stage of um, actually selling some food to cafes, did that for a little bit, um, mm-hmm. which was quite fun, but not really the direction I wanted to take things I discovered. And um, so since then, I've been more using it as a platform for recipe development work um, cool. and just sharing free recipes for people as well. Sweet. Um, and I've actually just started um, filming recipe demos so for my newish YouTube channel. Cool. Which is lots of fun. So. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, that's a very big shift. Um, like, uh, yeah. Where did law come from for starters? Yeah, it's... It was something that I was interested in in high school. Um, finishing high school, though, you know, you feel a little bit of pressure to go to uni. Mm. Um, I 
decided that I would do law and commerce. I mm-hmm. actually economics was my favorite subject in high school. Really? Um, yeah. I had, wow, you're a nerd. Uh, yeah, I am actually <laughs> the biggest nerd. Yeah. Maybe it's a little known fact, but it's definitely yeah. true. Well, it's been unearthed. We're exactly. getting the good stuff already. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I was keen to do commerce for the mm-hmm. economics, and then. Um, ended up getting the marks to get into law as well. So I decided to do the double degree, which is what people tended to do back then. And mm-hmm. So that was five years at uni to do commerce law. Um, and I actually quite enjoyed law, um, sort of the theoretical side of things. Mm-hmm. And then when I finished uni though, I didn't want to go straight into a corporate job. So I actually, um, I was modeling throughout uni and I mm-hmm. ended up doing a year of modeling full-time after I graduated, which was great. I got to travel a little bit and, um, yeah, work with great people and enjoyed that. But then with law, if you finish law at uni, you still have to do work experience in a law firm before you're fully qualified. So that's ultimately why I decided to go work at a law firm because I needed to get it for my full um, legal practicing certificate. Yeah. And... I worked at a quite a large firm in Melbourne. I was doing intellectual property law was mm-hmm. my specialty. Um, I had a really great team and I think that's what kept me there for four years. Um, oh, wow. So you're a full lawyer. I did four, <laughs> yeah, four years of, yeah. uh, of that. And um, But yeah, to be honest, corporate lifestyle was not for me. Yeah. Um, I was trying to... Yeah, my sort of I had an interest in health and fitness. Um, I was doing CrossFit actually in the mornings. Oh, I did CrossFit back in the day. Yeah. Where'd you train? Um, I was at CrossFit Vic, uh, CrossFit Victoria. Oh, yeah, I know those um, guys. Yeah, I started yeah. out there and then I moved to another CrossFit gym, which actually closed down. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll touch on it later, but that was when I started Muay Thai after that. Oh, CrossFit full gym. on. Yeah. So, cool. but yeah, look, I was doing the 6 a.m. CrossFit class in the mornings and then going home, showering, changing, getting into work, working full long day at the mm. law firm, just it wears you down. Yeah. And, you know, working some weekends here and there. And look, to be fair, I had a pretty good setup with um, my team and the people I was working for, the partners I was working for, but um, ultimately I just didn't want that kind of constraint of having to work on someone else's time frame. Mm. I like to be able to do things at any time when I want to do them and yeah it's way better isn't it definitely better <laughs> yeah, that's right um yeah I dated a um, Danish girl years ago probably like six or seven years ago and she was so smart and so like she was she's an amazing she's an amazing chick and she finished um it didn't really work out because of some distant stuff and just whatever but she she was a lawyer and every time I would speak to her she'd complain to me about how she has no time in her life and how she doesn't know whether it's for her and then yeah but every year that I'll you know because I still check check in with her now and then I still seem to hear the same things more more often than not you know yeah so much of her life is taken up by just being in the law firm like it's crazy it's a common thing for a lot of lawyers and a lot of people have a lot of fear of leaving because you've obviously got a decent salary um it's you know stable career it's something that people a lot of people aspire to be a lawyer doctors and and lawyers they define themselves by being a lawyer so the the prospect of leaving the law firm and not being a lawyer anymore is very scary and the other question they probably ask themselves is, well, what should I do instead? And Mm. it's interesting that when I did leave the firm, um, a lot of people said, oh, I wish I could leave. And I said, well, you can. I mean, like- You live in Australia. My my plan- You can get 30 bucks an hour (laughs) labouring on a job site. 
Exactly. You know? <laughs> and, you know, my plan was to sell some health food bars to some cafes <laughs> yeah. and develop Good my plan. recipe website. Good plan. So, <laughs> so I kind Sounds of... Sounds solid. It was a bit of a risk, but... Um, <laughs> Were your parents on board or not on board? I'm, I'm lucky. My parents are very supportive. Yeah, my mum's cool. a dentist. My dad's a musician. Oh, yeah. Um, so you got a little bit of like... Mm, doctorishness and a little bit yeah. of creativishness in your, in your mum and your yeah, dad. A bit a of bit diversity of, there. Definitely a bit of diversity, and they're not. Um, they just <coughs> they just want me to be happy, and they've always yeah. trusted me with my decisions, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah, that's um, good. So I didn't look, but you know, people, other people, you know, sort of on the outer family or. Yeah, you know, you get asked, like, what on earth are you doing? Why? Like, why would you leave? Don't yeah. you want to be a partner one day? Don't you want to be senior associate? And, Man, um, can't think of anything less. Yeah. Doesn't fight. I don't know. Corporate, the, I, I, yeah, the corporate lifestyle just, uh, I'm even, uh, doesn't fire me up so much as so as I would say that I'm against it even. Yeah. It's, you know? Yeah, look, it's, it can be quite um, cutthroat and it does – teach you to think in a certain way. I think mm. a lot of lawyers would realise that you become quite negative in your thinking because you're oh, always really? planning for the worst case scenario. Yeah, right. Um, like a lot of work that I did was contract based and mm-hmm. a contract essentially is there to plan for the worst case scenario, mm-hmm. <laughs> what's going to happen. So, um, yeah, it's interesting um, sort of shifting away from that and into a more creative space. Um, you sort of have different ways of thinking for the mm. two. But I, like, to be fair, I, I did learn a lot of really valuable skills and it has set me up for a lot of the things that I've done since then. And oh, for sure. Critical thinking is always for sure. a good skill to have. Oh, and having a law degree, just anyone will take you seriously in anything that you do. And, and the yeah. stuff that you would have learned, I could imagine, would be, yeah. would, would be priceless. It is. Um, yeah, right. So, so law firm and then into modelling for a year and you started, you started um, sorry, Real Food Healthy Body at the same time. I didn't want to get them yeah, mixed up. Yeah, no, that's okay. While you're doing the modelling, you started all when you left, when um, you left so the, the law firm? The modelling was after uni and then yes. I stopped, stopped modelling while I was working in the law firm because mm-hmm. obviously didn't, <coughs> can't really do both. And then I, after I left the law firm, I was focusing on Real Food Healthy Body pretty much full time but then started to get back into a bit of modelling and then ended mm-hmm. up um, re-signing with my agent and it's just look it's a it's a fun job in many ways and it is a good way to make an income mm-hmm. as well so um, but I did notice the whole industry had changed by the time I got back into it yeah. social media it's now it's a very different um, game how so it used to be. Um, more booties it's yeah <laughs> yeah I think um Look, if you don't have a, a big social media following, it can be hard to book work. Oh, for sure. Um, but look, my my main thing when I when I got back into it was a lot of the stuff I was doing was fitness based and based around um, Muay Thai and mm-hmm. just um, sports and things like that, athletic wear, mm-hmm. which is just more fun and a lot more video content now as well, which is always fun. Yeah. Um, to shoot rather than just you know, standard photos. Mm, so what do you think about the, like the modeling industry? I mean, you said it's changed a lot. Um, as I said earlier, before we started recording, I had Zoe Nicholson and she, she was um, dietitian and she talks about, you know, like psychology around healthy food and eating and healthy lifestyle and so forth. Yeah. Like obviously modeling is like, I don't know you at all, before, you know, even now, obviously, like really yeah. we, don't, we don't, but from what I've seen, you, you seem to have a really good handle on a healthy, well-rounded lifestyle, you know? Yep. But obviously modelling has been that thing that people have always said, this is, it's supposed to be beauty, but it's never really been 
about health and, and, and so forth. So where's it at now? Like I remember in the 90s, everyone, everybody wanted to be skinny, skinny, skinny. Yeah. And like, but what's it like? Like what's it like being a model? I think, um, oh, there was definitely more so when I started modeling, which was quite a few years ago now. Um, yeah, it was the, in the midst of the skinny trend. Mm. Um, so there was pressure to have your measurements down to a certain level, um, which then does, unfortunately, a lot of girls end up not eating and mm. probably not look up, looking after themselves as much as they should. Um, I was quite lucky. I never fell into that trap. I think I always – I did feel pressure to be skinny, um, but – I had a really good support system around me with my family and a lot of my friends, well, actually I didn't really have that many friends who were also modeling. So mm -hmm. I wasn't completely um, engrossed the in thing, the yeah. industry. So it didn't, luckily didn't um, have any too much of a negative impact on me, but it does mm -hmm. look, it definitely impacted my um, self image to an extent, mm. but it does teach you, you have to deal with rejection and sort of, people being ultra critical about your appearance and certain things that you just can't change about yourself at the end of the day. Mm. And I think um, now it's probably in some ways there's more of a trend towards a, a fit looking body rather yeah. than super skinny, but that in it's also the fitness thing. There's people get obsessed about having abs and things like that, which yeah. can also be unhealthy. So yeah, it's all, it's all kind of like, I feel like <laughs> having abs and, and a fitter looking physique is probably more, more uh, healthier than being way thin. That's but true. But it's, it's still uh, just everything is based around aesthetics, isn't it? That's you know, right. Which is the aside from the physical health, it's the emotional health that's the that's the the tricky thing with with modelling. I feel like. Yeah, that's right. And I think, <coughs> look, I think people for me, like nowadays, my goal is to feel healthy, so I've got energy to do the things that I need to do, and that I yeah. can train properly um, and perform well. Um, when I'm training and whatever I'm doing in the fitness kind of space. So that's mm -hmm. my main focus. And I think when you take the focus off what you physically look like and go more just for I want to look after myself and feel good, your body ends up yeah. improving anyway, I think. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully you can remove some of those negative thought patterns that people get stuck into. Yeah. Do you think about your impact as being a model and someone who has a, you know, an Instagram following and a, and a social profile, do you think about kind of like with your content that you put out and all your stuff is good stuff, you know, like it's a, it's very positive stuff. Oh, I have a friend who has a very big Instagram following. We worked together on my, my last company that I mentioned earlier and she's really great too. She's got like, she's a kind of like, lots of sex appeal in the CrossFit realm, but everything yeah. that she, and she's, you know, done well out of it, but everything that she posts is constructive and it's it's healthy and it's good and it's real you know yeah do you, do you think much about that the, the impact that your profile has on your followers I think um I don't really have any particular strategy but ultimately I want to be real because at the end of the day um my friends and family also see what I post yeah. and they'd be like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you don't want your mates thinking you're a loser exactly exactly that, that pretty where much did you grow up sums it up um I'm from the Ballin area Ballin yeah. oh yeah so, so city you're a city chick kind of yeah, yeah yeah pretty pretty much city um we would always go down to Janjak oh, yeah. um on the weekends and over summer um we were lucky enough to have a, a place down there. So, um, so yeah, cool. sort of a bit of both. But I think I've just – I had a really positive upbringing and a lot of support from my family. And yeah. I think that um, I never felt – 
pressure to focus on superficial things, I mm. think. So I sort of try not to get too involved in all of the, uh, I don't know, the stuff that goes on in social media. Yeah, I mean, I've, it's wild, isn't it? To be honest, it's, it, it kind of worries me and I, I'm not a big fan of social media, to no, be honest. No, I'm not at all. Um, it can be a really useful tool for, for work and, um, you know, as a, if you're a model, it can be helpful because it's a way to sort of have your portfolio. Oh, of course. And, it's huge and, and powerful. Work does yeah. come from it. Um, but yeah, I just, I, to be honest, try not to spend too much time on it. What worries you about it? Just the amount of time, the, the amount of time people spend on it and the emotional attachment that people um, place on it and mm. sort of defining their self-worth by how many followers and likes and mm. there's so many people talking about it these days. I think it's it's positive that it's becoming more spoken about but yeah. I think that um, it is hard, you know, if you're on the platform every day and you're spending so much time on it, it really does consume a lot of your mind space. Mm. Um, and I, I've sort of, you know, it's happened to me as well. I feel like sometimes I'll be like, I, I really need to take a step back from this because yeah. it's just getting this is too get, much. This is getting out of hand. Yeah. yeah. I used to get real sad. I had about two or three years there when uh, <laughs> it would get to like the Christmas time and I'll just get sad from looking at my social media. Oh, really? Like, proper sad. Why sad? Uh, <laughs> because, <laughs> because uh, um, no, it was mainly, I think it was because of like FOMO, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, because it's like True. that's the time of year that everyone's having their most amazing time. And it was a particular time where I'm 33 and I've lived probably 33 pretty awesome years. But when I was probably two or three years in the, like four years ago to about a year and a half ago, with Adventure Fit, I had a really tough time. Like I was down yeah. in the dumps and like I was in the grill, entrepreneurial grill, yeah. you know. It was really it's hard. And, yeah, and it, yeah. It, it beat me down, you know, like yeah. heaps of anxiety and um, right. probably not like big bouts of depression but like so much stress and, and didn't handle it super well. But um, but yeah, when I was having a bit of a shit run, I would – and it would always be around the Christmas period. I would see like yeah. all my mates and like all people that I hardly even knew like out at parties and festivals yeah. doing this and I was still – seeing my friends and living a normal life but I would go on social media and I would just feel like trash you know I feel shit and I yeah. think it's it's really not a, a good thing to fall into I think no. I it's good if you can just focus on what you're doing and don't really worry too much about what other people are doing and just remember that you've just got to enjoy yourself and enjoy your life yeah and if that means that you know you're not you know you're busy working it doesn't mean you can go out as much but to be honest, the people who are going out so much, they might be looking at other people and going, oh, I sh I'm not as successful as that person. Or, oh, like yeah. Everyone's got something. Yeah, no, for from. sure. And, I, and I, at the time, I, was, I saw all this and I was like, oh, I bloody hate social media. And I would take big breaks from it and so on and so forth. And I still feel very much the same way now. But my last company, I was like part of the problem, you know. Like people would DM me because I ran an yeah. adventure travel company. You know, yeah. we take people to Mexico and Thailand and Iceland or whatever. And mm. we're like rock climbing and surfing and doing all cool stuff. Yeah, and we had great. photographers and videographers. So it looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. My life was meant to look like yeah. choreographed. It meant to look perfect and amazing yeah. or whatever. And people would DM me all the time like, hey, dude, saw your company. Like, mm. you know, like, blah, blah, blah. Like just mm. pumped about. And, I'll, and I'd always write back like, hey, man. That's a smoke screen. Like, yeah, what you, that's just, that's, that's not real life. That's marketing. Exactly. Like, you know, so, um, yeah, I have a big problem with it. Um, although, you know, I still get the endorphin kicks of, you know, going on Instagram and I still chat to my mates on Facebook and whatever, yeah. but I don't think it's really, in the way that it's currently 
situated. I don't think it's a very positive thing for the world. I think that'll yeah. have to change at some point I in some way. I feel like there's there has to be a backlash. Yeah. But I mean, look, I, I personally, have, I don't use it anywhere near as much as I used to. Yeah. And I, I feel that there's a lot of people in the same boat. Mm. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's becoming more of a business tool now. And, yeah. Um, but even that for businesses, from what I've read, it's, it's difficult to get the traction that you used to be able to get. Yeah. Well, everything will just move. Facebook, it's difficult to get the traction you used to get because everyone's on Facebook and then, you know, mm-hmm. Instagram will continue to get more difficult and then TikTok will be pumping or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. So whatever the next one is. <laughs> yeah. But I actually get my, um, I actually get my housemate Prashant. Um, he locks me out of my phone. Oh really? Yeah. How do you do you know? it changes your passcode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh really? Do you, do you have a um, do you have an iPhone? I do. Yeah. Do you have one of the new ones with the um, with the time? You can lock yourself out of certain apps or whatever. I don't think I, I've got the iPhone six. I'm a bit. Oh I'm, mate, I'm you're running behind. the ninety four version. I just, yeah, I, <laughs> that's I, like Toy Story one. I really don't. I can't bring myself to buy a new one. So <laughs> yeah, it still fair works. Enough. So. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> yeah. oh, there you go. But yeah. um, no, they have the iPhone now has. Um, it's pretty bad because it sends you a time report right, of like okay. your use of the apps, which is good, but it's like, oh man. Um, Lightning. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But it has a function which is called, um, don't know what it's called. It's like time tracking or something yep. like that. And you can go in and set downtime. You can set like app limits, but I haven't done that. Right. But can a, you override it though? Yeah, can you, can, you can override it with a code, but my mate... Oh, Prashant okay, has so the code. He, okay, yeah, fair enough. That's right. So I was going to say, you've got to try and... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, oi, Prashant, I need Trick to get yourself. into Instagram. Um, I need a hit. I do it sometimes. I'm sitting really? at home, I'm like, oi, yeah. bro, can you just give me a quick... Um, and just he's like, a, a quick look. 50, yeah. A quick hit, yeah. But, uh, but that actually works great. I actually do it just because... It's not all, you know, Instagram and Facebook or whatever. Like it's, you can lock out certain stuff. I can get into Uber in my bank at any time, yeah. but you can lock out like emails. Yeah. It's Slack and work and yeah. stuff like that, you know, oh, is it's, what it's I like to. It's all consuming. Yeah. Literally hours pass. It's like a vortex, your phone. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's quite scary. <laughs> yeah. It can yeah. be. Um, but yeah. But as I said, like you, I think there's people out there that are doing it, doing it right. I spoke to my mate, Michael Lingus about this. Um, I asked him, he's a psychologist. He was yeah. the um, head sports psych for... North Melbourne Footy Club for a while. Um, I think the Kangaroos, the, the yep. hockey roo Kangaroos, oh, yeah. the girl the hockey team. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good, really good sports psychologist. He owns a clinic in Collingwood called The Mine Room. Um, and he's just a great guy. But he's been on the podcast a couple of times and I asked him about social media and, and so forth. And he said, I said, what do you think will happen? Because I had this theory that um, that there will be potentially maybe warning labels on apps when you, you yeah. know, in like 10 years' time. Sounds wild, but like having oh. somebody with no teeth and like their gangrene feet or whatever would have sounded wild to put on cigarette packets exactly. 20 years ago. Exactly. Um, I think you're on the right track there. <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know, like, you yeah. know, don't use your phone too much because it'll fuck you up. Like that, a warning before yeah. you get in there. And Just but, a picture of a sad person staring <laughs> yeah. at their phone. This, yeah. this will be you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's a bloke crying in his yeah. room. Um, but, um, yeah, and Michael was like, he's like, no, nah, I think it'll go further than that. I think there'll be a real push for, you know, phones and technology that is safe technology, like happy technology, mm. like a phone that sends emails, texts and phone calls, you know. He, oh. he said, he goes, look, as a psychologist, he goes, I think it's going to get to a point where it's going to be so bad that, you know, it'll... Well, it's, it's it's addictive, right? I yeah. Mean, that's, isn't that sort of what they're saying? It's yeah. the endorphin rush that people yeah. get when they get that little bit of sort of valid it's really great isn't it yeah well it can be exactly <laughs> yeah. and then it's and then it's all of a sudden taken away from you and people uh, yeah. go why yeah yeah it's so it's wild stuff i wonder if it'll be yeah i mean it's like an addictive substance really yep 
that's exactly what it's like. Um, so yeah, so real food, healthy body. So when you made the decision to to kind of go into that, um, so was that uh, was it a tough decision to kind of like go? All right, I want to kind of follow more of you know my dreams. I guess I don't know if it was say that if that's a bit of a throwaway line, but like was it a was it a tough decision for you to throw in a law firm, a law degree? I think um, it was an essential decision at the time. I think I just, I couldn't sit in an office any longer. Yeah. It was basically, I'd, I had taken a leave of absence from work and did some traveling, um, which was sort of like dipping my toe into, into leaving. Mm-hmm. And then when I got back, I went back to the firm um, and I think I stayed another year before oh, right. making the final decision that, mm-hmm. that I just didn't want to do it anymore. And um, yeah, look, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't live that lifestyle anymore. And, I wouldn't say real food, healthy bodies, you know, ever been a dream or anything like that. It mm-hmm. was more, I had an idea of what I wanted my day-to-day life to look like mm-hmm. and it wasn't sitting in an office. So yeah. um, real food, healthy body or the recipe side of things, um, recipe development. And it was just another something I saw as, okay, maybe I can make my living that way. I'll mm-hmm. give that a try. Mm-hmm. And I think that was, um, I just kind of winged it a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah as everybody yeah, does yeah I think that everybody's winging it at yeah, all times like I you, you know, know I didn't have this, like a 10 year plan I'm not really nah. someone who plans I just do what I think is the right thing to do at the time and, mm-hmm. and if it's something that I'm enjoying and I can see some potential for it to be you know make an income from it then I'll give it a go oh for um, sure yeah and it look it's it's been it's been great and I'm glad I think it's the best decision I've ever made was when I moved on from something that wasn't the right thing for me, so yeah, for sure. Everybody, um, everybody works in roles that they hate. You know, yeah. Everybody does just, shit they don't want to do. Doesn't make sense to nah. me. Um, and I, I did that for a, a period of time. I think probably after the first couple of years, I was like, I'm not really enjoying this. But yeah. Um, at the same time, you sort of you try to make it work, and you try to convince yourself that yeah. oh no, but you know, I've got a good income, and this is you know, I've got a lot of potential to progress as yeah. I get older and it's a, it's a career. Probably it's getting told all the right things from other people. Well, you know? yeah, and yeah. everyone within the firm and, and people around you, they kind of all, you know, agree. And yeah. it's like, oh, no, we're doing – this is a good, the right thing to do. And um, But, yeah, I think you just have to really tune into what you really think mm. um, and figure out, you know, if you're feeling sad and depressed or anxious or just not happy, it's you've got to make a change. Yeah, it's your every day. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, the, it's one of the key, you know, I, I read a book by, uh, it's called Lost Connections by Johan Hari. Have you ever read right. it or heard I of haven't. it? It's really great. Yeah. Cool. Um, it's one of the, I think it's the most important book written in the last hundred years. Really? Yeah. It's about, it. it's, about, um, it's about mental health. Yeah. It's about mental health and the mental health epidemic that's going on worldwide in the Western world, really. Mm. Um, but he breaks down, I think there's seven reasons that he believes that this is going on and it's like loss of personal connection with your friends and family, loss of um, uh, the, the, the chance for a meaningful future, loss of um, your day-to-day, like hating something that you're doing. So it's like job security and actually the doing of the job and like all these different elements and it makes perfect sense. This guy, Johan Hari's a yeah. freak of nature. Yeah. Like he just laid out the most commonsensical book with seven areas where we're all falling down and we all know it but we won't do anything about it and he gives like, yeah. here's what we can do to change it. That's yeah. why it's the most it's 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 an an amazing book. But anyway, um, I've lost my point. Oh yeah, no. So so his um, his thing was 
all about wait one of his keys was the the loss of the chance of having a meaningful future so that's just like people that kind of like have to um aren't sure of their yeah job security you know that's a, that's a, something that can be very detrimental to yep. somebody's mental health you know they don't know that they're going to have a roof over their head if they lose this job or you know yeah. so on and so forth so they'll put up with that shit role that they hate and they're, they're, de- they're demeaned at work by their su- supervisor whatever it is and then there's the actual part of the, the, the day-to-day, you know, the going into work and having a, you know, not get, wanting to get out of bed because you've, you know, had the worst week of your life and having to do it over and over and over. It's one of the key elements that's just stuffing everyone's mental health up. And yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's hard though. It's hard to leave that security of a, of a job it like is. that. So, yeah. I, I think, think it, it also comes down to a matter of degree though because I think people realize, they don't realize that, Everyone wants more money than mm. what they actually need for a roof over their head. Yeah. Food and, you know, you can you can live a, a happy life on probably a lot less money than a lot of people would like to have. And I think yeah. that's the scary part is giving up the big <coughs> paycheck, knowing that you can always make money somehow. I mean, yeah. we're lucky in Australia. We're very lucky here for that sure. you can – employment isn't as hard to come by as it is in other countries. So why not just – do another job, like you said, go work in a cafe or I don't know, just do something else, mm. you know, and as long as you've got enough to pay your bills, you're probably going to be a lot happier and maybe that will allow you to then find out what you really want to do, what really makes you excited to get up in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. I find it really weird because, you know, like I, I think – I think the I think the world's crazy in a lot of ways. I think yeah. we're just we're living this like oh, definitely we, yeah, we're living this life that's just so outrageously like wild. If you think about what's going on, but mm. we're in, we're in the thick of it, and we don't really I don't know one of the, one of the things is like yeah the whole money thing. Like you said, people should be able to live a really healthy, happy life with way less than yeah. what people aim for anyway yeah, you know people aim to, to work 40 50 60 hours a week so that they can get to the next level the next level and the next level and the next level so that they can have a four million dollar house which all the studies all the science has always said it doesn't yeah make a dent in your happiness yeah, you know there'll always be someone with more money or yeah. there's always the next level there's, yeah and if you're constantly chasing that you're gonna die unhappy yeah it's really weird isn't it yeah it's like it's like i think it's this thing that we have where we just yeah we we just can't really be content you know yeah because 50 grand is plenty like 50 grand if you're smart because we live within our means if you have 50 grand you live like someone who has 50 grand and that's that's enough to have a roof over your head and food on your table and so on and so forth but like having that having a a role that you're earning 50 grand or (laughs) you probably got a lot more free time and a lot more that's it it, a lot less stress maybe you could work three days a week yeah and have you know four days of the week to just do whatever makes you excited yeah but but no one's doing that yeah (laughs) it's really weird (laughs) yeah that's what you're doing pretty much yeah (laughs) to be honest i i earn less than as what i would have earned as a lawyer but i'm so much happier and i've got the time and it's funny I, i might actually i could probably if i broke down my week i probably work more i spend more hours sort of working mm-hmm. um but it's, it doesn't feel like work because yeah. I'm actually really enjoying everything that I'm doing. So I'm, yeah, infinitely happier. Oh, that's the dream result. Mm. Well done. Um, yeah, I secretly want to turn Athena to a four-day work week as of yeah. my, my company, um, yeah. our company. I haven't told my business partners this, but they'll be for it. Yeah. They'll oh, be yeah, all for it. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe even in no? winter. Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe even in summer. Have just it, yeah. grind in winter a little bit more yeah. or even just do five days. I, re- I read this from um, – 
There's a company called Basecamp. Um, I've, do you know I've them? I've used their platform. Oh, I've used Basecamp, yeah. yeah. Used we use Trello, like similar, you know, yeah, product I've management stuff. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Basecamp, the guys that wrote Basecamp, the, um, the guys that own Basecamp, um, I forget their names. They've written three books, Remote, Rework. Rework was probably the most famous. Yeah, Remote, Rework, and It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. Yeah. And I just re- I've read all of them. Good titles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work is sick. It's just like, why do we hustle so much? Like, why do we yeah. – it's all this kind of thread that we're talking about now. Yeah. And I really believe – in everything that they say and do. And these guys have a six-month period where it's a four-day work week. Yeah. And that's it. It's 32 hours. Yeah. And well, It probably pushes you to be more efficient yeah. as well. I think people – It's fluff. If, if you know that you're bound to your desk from nine to five or whatever it is, you don't really have any incentive to yeah. get it done earlier. Yeah. Why would you? Yeah. And that's what I found at law firms is everyone wants to stay really late to sort of show that they're working hard. Mm. So everyone will mess around during the day and then pick up at about five o'clock. They'll start really getting stuck yeah. at work till 11 p.m., yeah. which to me just is insanity. Nah, it's um, so crazy. And you know what happens then is the work, you get rewarded for the time, not the work. Yes. You know what I mean? Exactly. Not always because there's like, but, there is KPIs or whatever, but if someone, if a boss yeah. walks in, and somebody's left at three and gone surfing, and then yeah. somebody's there till eleven. You're going to go, geez, They're eleven p.m. Good employee. In hours, where they could be totally incompetent. Yeah, you know what I mean. Definitely. Um, so, so yeah, that's one of my goals. Is um, and my, I, I'm really interested to talk to my business partners about it. They're, they think very similarly to me. You know, they they want our, our business works, and so it works. It's going to work at four days a week. You know, we're, we're yeah. only a year in, so it's probably not the time to do radical things like that just yet but in six or 12 months it will be i'm sure yeah um and yeah i think it's great because um do you know while we're on this whole thing this is in the book again um lost connections by johan hari talks about the fact that um in a province in canada this is all um this podcast is bro philosophy so this is all like bro everything right this is i'm I'm, this is i'm (laughs) making up it's a piecemeal explanation of what really happened but um, but there's a province in Canada and they trialed universal basic income. Have you heard the term universal basic income? I've heard of it. I don't know much about it. Though. Yeah, it's like a buzzword right now because of like all the automation that's taking everybody's jobs. Yeah. And when artificial intelligence takes so many of our jobs that there's going to be lots of people unemployed, there's going to be the same amount of money in the economy. So you can spread that. It's like a basic needs payment for people, right. for, any, for everyone. Yeah. You know, and so in Canada, it's like the doll. It's like yeah. being unemployed and getting getting government assistance. So, in this province in Canada, they gave everybody. They said, "Okay, cool. We, there's like a thousand people in this province." And they said, um, "We want to give you guys. We want to do a trial, and it's going to be 20 years. Um, you guys, if you sign on the dotted line, what we're going to do is we're going to give you um, basically like a thousand AUD per week for yep. the next 20 years." So everyone was like, uh, "Yeah, Thanks. we'll do it. We'll be getting <laughs> this. Yeah. yeah, that's right." <laughs> Um, so what's the catch? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, but what, what happened was, so they gave everybody universal basic income. They were trialing it because everybody knew that, that you know, this stuff needed to be addressed at some point and, and whatever. And what happened was it was actually less than a thousand, thousand dollars. Maybe I think it was, yeah, it must've been about six or 700. I can't remember the exact figure, especially with like exchange rates and stuff, but so it gave them enough to have a roof over their head, food on their table, but they still had to go and work mm. to, to, you know, to have the money that they want to live the lifestyle that they have. But they knew that no matter what, they were going to have security. They were going to have a roof over their head and food on the table. Yep. They knew that they didn't have to work as much as they did. So everybody in the province that would work locally, they would work like 30 hours a week rather than 40 hours a week or 45 yeah. hours a week. They would um, – basically what happened with this universal basic income is every – 
marker, every kind of data point of like if a group of people are doing well, like um, divorces going down, um, rate of perceived happiness going up, yep. health and fitness, um, you know, all this stuff. They were all, all the markers were going in the right direction by a yeah. mile. Like everything, everything plummeted. There was no divorces. There was no mental health, you know, yeah. issues in, in this town wow. because everybody had their basic needs met. Mm. And yeah, universal basic income is quite, I'm pretty fascinated by it, but it's like, yeah, it's like the idea of giving people a staple to live off. Um, but it doesn't, a lot of people are like, oh, well then what happens with, you know, people putting in and people feeling like they've earned their, you know, they earn their wage and they feel, what's the word, um, feel like they're, they're important to society and stuff. But yeah. I think that we just work too much. I think Definitely. that 30 hours a week, 25 hours a week, I'll be sweet. I think I'll still feel valued. That's the thing. And I'll go surfing more. Yeah, well, you know? exactly. And, and That's what that's, you've done. Yeah, I think that's it. And, and that's ultimately what does make you happier. Mm. But yeah, obviously there's that basic need. You have to make a certain amount to survive. And if you're not meeting that, that's incredibly stressful. That's right. And you're ultimately going to be really stressed until you can sort that out. But once you have that, I think that's where people need to just figure out. I mean, look, if they love working that many hours a week, then go ahead. Yeah. If it's, you got to be honest with yourself. If it's not really serving them. Um, The other thing though, people are chasing success or what they perceive as success and, you know, people trying to um, prove themselves to other people, which can also lead to. Yeah. sort of decisions that aren't ultimately going to make them happy. Yeah, and that's another issue that, yeah. that we have and, you know, that'll be something that I'll – Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, no, so it's it's interesting stuff. So yeah. um, so with um, Real Food Healthy Body, like what was important about that to you though? Like why did you why, – why is that – is it something that's interesting to you but like what, why did you want to make it something that you think you could make your day-to-day? Um, I think um, – I I grew up loving – I love watching cooking shows and I love trying out new recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I wanted to – well, look, ultimately I wanted a place where I could have all my recipes um, documented, yep. um, kind of just for my own piece. <laughs> yeah. um, but also cool. thinking that perhaps other people might enjoy them, might mm-hmm. like to make them. And that, um, I sort of – we were sort of talking earlier about um, – sort of diet and, and that sort of health thing. And I've, I've gone through a lot of different – I've experimented with a lot of different ways of eating and mm-hmm. have finally settled on something that works for me. But, yeah, I think when I first started um, Real Food Healthy Body, I was going through a phase of um, – I cut out sugar to mm-hmm. a quite a great degree. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the recipes on the blog were um, low sugar alternatives mm-hmm. um, for people who are, who are trying to eat that way. And I think just over the years I've um, – tried yeah various different things and now I'm I'm not as strict as I was back then um I think I'm more relaxed with how I eat which mm-hmm. for me works better because mm-hmm. as soon as I feel like there's constraints put on me it can kind of it just doesn't work out so well yeah um so I think the recipes on the site have evolved as as I've also evolved myself with the mm-hmm. way I eat um but yeah obviously I I you know if other people make the recipes and enjoy them I get a lot of satisfaction out of that and I love to see when people um, have made something and, and like it looks it. yum. Yeah, it's good, and you know they've loved it. They've you know people might message me, oh my son loved that cake. You know, mm-hmm. didn't realize it was gluten free. He just loved it, and yeah, cool. So that, that's that's you know I find that quite rewarding. Yeah, that'd be mad. Yeah, and when you said you cut um, you cut sugar out for a while, was it keto? Or was it just like well, uh, some it, sort of a low carb thing? It was thing the, or like- the I Quit Sugar program. I don't know if you're Sarah Wilson. Um, don't know. It. it was more about limiting fructose. Um, yeah, just because. Uh, 
there was sort of evidence that fructose can stimulate your appetite and yeah. too much fructose in your diet can have negative impact on a lot of yeah, functions of your sure. body. And I think as well, I was yeah, a little bit addicted to sugar perhaps. Oh, man. Yeah, so. I've got the worst sweet tooth. Yeah, I, I have a big sweet tooth. <laughs> yeah. I think it's I awesome. Was, yeah, oh, it's great. <laughs> and I think I just um, – I was just overdoing it basically yeah. and probably just needed to cut back. But it's. What's your go to? Like, what's your. Is it, it, it sweet or savory or like. It's a, sweet. Always sweet. Um, yeah. I'm not really. Pretty much anything sweet, really. Yeah. I love. Um, I mean, it used to be lollies. I used to eat um, natural confectionery company lollies. So you're a child. They were, they were you're a child. Yeah, I'm basically a child. Yeah. <laughs> you should grow up. You need to grow up. Pretty much. No, I refuse. I mean, I still get excited. You know, the pick and mix yeah. lollies at um, Sydney Airport. Oh, they have, I love a pick I don't know who said, yeah, they have a good one. At Do you know what happened to me in a pick and mix lately? <laughs> recently. This is a true story. Yeah. I bought a pack of, um, a bag of. Um, chocolate covered goji berries. Yeah. And I was pretending stoked. to be an adult. That yeah. was the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's an adult's pick and mix. Dark chocolate. <laughs> yeah, they were healthy yeah. for you. Yeah. But um, I went home and I um, bit down into a handful of them and I felt something happen in the back of my mouth and I was like, ah, oh, I felt like I'd, I br- thought I broke my Bro- tooth. Yeah. So I spat all the food out and I was looking at it, I'm going like this, couldn't figure out what had gone on. My tooth had shattered in three, <gasps> split in three places. I bit down on a chocolate-covered rock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you, you probably shouldn't mention the name of the company, dead, but that's dead, terrible. <laughs> dead, dead set. And um, See, they paid me ten, they, they, I got $10,000 for it. Because really? it was $10,000 of work to oh fix the tooth. Oh, my gosh. Because it needed – it was so – it needed like a bridge because yeah. it, it – tra- And it was – it was um, yeah, it was a chocolate-covered oh – I went to the pick and mix and I had a chocolate-covered – Rock. That's pretty scary. What are the chances? Yeah, that's, that's not cool. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Anyway, that was just a random pick and mix story in there for you. But Yeah, um, I love pick and mix. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah. you had a sweet tooth. Definitely had uh, a sweet tooth. I, I think to get over that kind of sweet tooth – well, not sweet tooth. I haven't gotten over my sweet tooth, but I was eating a lot of sugar and I think yeah. – cutting it out it just helped me reset my appetite reset my taste buds as well because yeah. you get very um nothing tastes sweet anymore if you eat a lot of sugar and then you eat sort of a healthy dessert it mm. typically doesn't taste very good because yeah, it's yeah. not as sweet you like what um, is this yeah dirt? so now yeah. i've sort of settled somewhere in the middle yeah from cool like extreme to more moderated but not as sugar obsessed as i used to be mm, yeah sugar's wild isn't it i tried to go keto at one point and i say try because i'll admit i just i quit i was uh, like yeah, i'm not doing this i actually found um i did was eating quite low carb and i found that particularly with training i think i went to thailand for a mm-hmm. month and i'd previously not eaten any grains really at all and then in thailand you, you know rice is all there yeah. was um and i actually felt really good eating lots of rice and vegetables and more carbs and sort yeah. of since then i've incorporated a lot more and now i actually eat heaps of rice yeah i think it's great <laughs> yeah sweet. yeah no i, I quit because i was just getting mad stomach pains yeah like sugar it was sugar cravings 100 percent. Right. and it was right when um it was right when i had heaps of stressful stuff going on when i said i was having a bit of a shittier run yeah like a year and a half ago and i just had I think I'd just broken up with my girlfriend at the time. That was one thing. And something else was going on. And then I tried to go keto and I was just like, I'm not doing this. Right, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was just literally, I felt like I had stabbing pains in my stomach. This really? is how, yeah. Do, and do you think it's from the sugar withdrawals? Yeah. Or, or was it more the, were you eating like a lot of fats? Do you find that? Yeah, I was. I, all, I already ate a lot of fats. Yeah. But 
I was not trying to use them as my main fuel source till this particular point in time yeah. when I try to go keto, you know. Yeah. Um, I had, I've never had reflux or acid reflux, what do they say? Yeah. And my chest horrific. was on fire. I've yeah. I've had that before. It's oh, nasty. It was the worst. And, yeah. and I literally had cramping, like stabbing pains in my stomach. Gosh. Yeah, not, and it was, not good. <laughs> nah, it was the worst. And I was, and I reckon it was, no, I'm just, I don't know what it was, but I'm yeah. so, I was reading lots of keto blogs and stuff and, it seemed to be that it was just sugar cravings and right. it, it makes sense. Yeah, you know, well, it's a big it, shift for your body if yeah. it's used to relying on the sugar for some yeah, energy and for then sure. all of a sudden there's no sugar. For sure. But um, yeah, oh, that's good. So so where's um, Real Food Healthy Body at anyway? So it's like it's, it's kind of like you're building your, you know, entrepreneurial, you know, platform as, as um, Real Food Healthy Body. Yeah, look, I, at the moment I'm, I do a bit of recipe development work. Oh, um, cool. So, so how does that look? Um, so just be a company's – they've got a food product or whatever it is and um, they want some recipes incorporating, Sick. like showcasing the product. Um, cool. So I can um, develop a recipe and take some photos and um, license that to them or sell mm-hmm. it to them however they want to work it. Um, mm-hmm. And now more recently, like I was saying, I've just started um, filming the recipe demos. So that's mm-hmm. something that I'm actually really enjoying. Um, cool. So I want to have more um, video content now as well, <coughs> which is ultimately still I'll develop a recipe and then film the demo and mm-hmm. publish the recipe online and the video and hopefully um, people enjoy it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, no worries. So you have a funny bio. <laughs> so it's like I remember because as I said um, – Alvin, one of our one of our guys, he was like, "Oh, this would be a good potential guest for the podcast." And then I looked at your bio, and I was like, "Hmm, all right, cool." And then, so you're also a Muay Thai fighter. Yeah. Yep. Sweet. I had some fights. I do Muay Thai. Yeah. Um, really love the sport. It's something I think it's been about six or seven years now. Um, got into it after CrossFit. I mm-hmm. was looking for something to do for fitness um, mm-hmm. and I love the – I'd always enjoyed the competitive aspect of CrossFit. Um, How deep did you go in I CrossFit? Did, I did, did the open. sucked right in? I did the open. <laughs> I got couple. sucked in hard. Yeah. Yeah, pretty – yep, yep. <laughs> I'd say that I'm kind of an all or nothing person. Yeah. So I was doing it six times a week. Yeah, me too. No Double days. And yeah, very yeah. Um, bit obsessive. Did you do any local comps? Um, no, just the, just oh, the you open. didn't go didn't, all didn't in. Didn't go that far. You didn't I, go I, all I probably in. couldn't have lifted the prescribed weights. To be <laughs> yeah. I know that. That's the only thing stopping you. Yeah, <laughs> let's just say that. No, yeah. look, I, I didn't. But yeah. I um, look, I, I like the community aspect was oh, great. Um, and I yeah, still friends to this day with with some of the people who I used to train with. So um, why did you stop out of interest? So the gym that I was training at um, closed down, and then I also had had just injuries. Mm-hmm. To be honest, um, mm-hmm. it wasn't really working for me in terms of my neck and my back, and just I, d- I don't know, maybe I was doing mm-hmm. it wrong, but mm-hmm. I just had a little break um, from exercise. It was a few months, so not a long time. Yeah. And then I was looking for something new and there was a gym that offered Muay Thai classes near where I was living. Mm-hmm. So I went in and signed up and they had sort of beginner's classes. So you start in the beginner's class. Um, so I started, you know, doing the beginner's class and as I'm quite sort of person who gets addicted to things quickly. I got addicted and was training pretty much every day and they had fighters who also trained at the gym. So I'd see the fighters training while I was doing 
the ladies' classes. You're like, oh, man, I just want to be over there. <laughs> I want to kick someone. <laughs> exactly. So I'd see the fighters doing their pad work and all the things that we weren't allowed to do. Oh, really? In his class, we were basically – sometimes we do just practice a jab for the full class. It's kind of like um, boxer sizing. Yeah, well, not, not so much boxer size. It was more um, – they were – to be fair, they were quite good at, at teaching – getting the techniques down first. Yeah. So before you're allowed to start sparring and doing pad work, um, you kind of have to earn that by yeah. practicing your jab and cross for yeah. an hour. Or whatever. For sure, for sure. Um, so anyway, I, I did the classes and um, that's where I, I met my first trainer and started doing some pad work with him. And then um, he said, oh, if you really like it, you should try going to Thailand. And so I went and did a trip over there. <laughs> And then just, yeah, kind of fell in love with it from there and Full on. have been enjoying it ever since. Wow. Mm. So how long was it before? So when you went to Thailand and you just started taking it seriously and stuff, how long did it take you to decide, all right, I want to go put the pads on and potentially get kicked in the face by someone? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it was kind of just a natural progression. I never kind of said, oh, I'm going to be a fighter. I'm going to – Yeah. It was – you sort of you're training and then you start sparring during class um then there's um sparring competitions you can do Mm -hmm. so you you go to a different gym and you spar people at other gyms and it's a bit more intense because Mm -hmm. it feels like a fight so i did a few of those and then um had an amateur fight which just means um the rules are kind of different every in every state but usually it just means you wear headgear and shin pads yeah you look like a dork um, you do, look, yep, <laughs> it's like you like you're fighting learners. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so I had had an amateur fight, and then um, after that, had two uh, fights under like professional rules, mm-hmm. um, which it just means in Victoria that you don't wear any um, of the protective gear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it kind of, it's just a progression. It's not like you just go, okay, I'm going to be a fighter one day and just going to go yeah, and fight. Yeah, yeah. It, you just kind of get eased into it, but. Um, I think every time that I had an experience in the ring, it just made me want more. And yeah, right. I still, I'm still at that stage. Like I, I'm looking forward to fighting again because you always want to keep progressing with it, I guess. Mm, far out. So, yeah. I used to be – I used to um, – oh, because I was, I was a CrossFitter and then I went into yeah. weightlifting from CrossFit. Oh. Um, yeah, because I just liked it more and I was yep. all right at it and like whatever. powerlifting or – Nah, Ollie. Only lifting, only okay. lifting. So, um, and I always um, would love talking to people and like trying to figure out how they get their get themselves right before they go out and lift. Yeah. So for me, I would have headphones in, and I'd be very like just I would not make eye contact with anyone, and it was just like me in the bar for like the whole t- the whole time. I had my routine basically, yeah. and then. Um, yeah, I'll try and uh, – well, look, who cares about me? Uh, my, my, my yeah, it's qu- interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had my, my routine and yeah. a lot of it was visualisation and, and right. so forth as I was walking out. It had, had to be the exact same, my whole process and so forth before I'd lift the weight. Um, and I would just get such butterflies and like so much nervous energy. Mm. Like what's your process like before you're stepping into the uh, – the ring. <laughs> the ring. The ring. Yeah. yeah what are you, um, what's you going through? What's going through your head? My main thing. Obviously, you feel nervous, then you get adrenaline. Um, I like to just tell myself, "Ah, oh, this isn't a big deal." Just mm-hmm. like going in for some sparring. Um, my kind of thing is to try and bring the intensity down mm-hmm. and bring the pressure down. Yeah, and gotcha. not not sort of get wrapped up in 
you know, yep. like I, I'm not one of those people who like sits backstage and like fires myself up. Yeah, it's not like that. I, no, like, <laughs> uh, not at all. I, I'll just try and be really calm and, and yeah. chilled about it all um, and try to just relax yep. and just forget about the fact that people are watching and that there's pressure and just mm-hmm. go, oh, I'm just going to go and do this like every day when you go sparring or whatever it is. Mm. Um, so, yeah, for me it's about bringing the sort of pressure down because – you're going to get adrenaline as soon as you step into mm, the ring. Um, mm. I have, I've only had, I guess, four fights so far, so there's still heaps of adrenaline. Oh, yeah, um, I could imagine. From speaking to more experienced fighters who've had so many fights, they're probably at the stage where they don't have as much adrenaline in the ring, so mm-hmm. they can think a bit more clearly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, when, you, when you're sort of new to it, there's <laughs> a lot of adrenaline. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's funny how people do that, though, isn't it, how they have their, their – their, their, I mean, I'm just talking about weightlifting, but fighting's the same. Like some people want to be still and calm. That's yeah, kind of like kind of me a little bit, and, and really positive. And like you're saying, like I would call that like I, I don't know, maybe like positive self-talk, or just like um, what would you call it? It's the opposite of catastrophizing something. Yeah, you know? you're just I like just, it's all good either way. Exactly. Very, uh, that's it. Not yeah. I don't want to be focusing on an outcome. Yeah. At all. Yeah. Just go in and just go with the flow. Yeah. And take the pressure. Off. Yeah, it's great. Sounds like it would be the, the only way, wouldn't it? But then I know so so many people that do really well at things, and they just like my mate Mac. He used to he he would go he would swear at himself behind. Really? Yeah, he'd be like swearing, yelling at himself, calling himself names. And I'm like, man, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but it was that, like his thing. Right. It well, fired him up and got him ready for anything. For him. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Oh, that's that's interesting. I yeah. always think like fighting is the number one version. Like, you know, I, for me. Being ready to step out and put your body on the line and actually yeah. get, get into a fight with somebody—it's the it's the ultimate for like trying to calm yourself. You know, it's, yeah. the, it's the ultimate thing to be worried about. I feel like yeah, I think that's it, it's obviously can be quite dangerous, mm. but at the same time, that's why it's so important to have a trainer who you trust and who knows a lot about what they're doing, and they mm. can make the right decisions. Mm. You know, if you're getting beaten to a pulp you'd want yeah. them to step in and stop <laughs> yeah. that from continuing because yeah. you know you can't you can't always um trust that you know the the fight's going to necessarily be stopped so you, you need someone you need to have people in your corner who are looking after you safety wise and mm. and also um a large part of um what my trainer does with me who's over there um <laughs> the big dog is um yeah pra- practicing sa- sa- safety first so yeah. protecting your head and and that's kind of if anything that's probably what I'm thinking of is okay I'm going to go out there and I'm going to protect myself and yeah whatever else happens happens mm. but if you go in thinking I'm going to be really fancy and do all this kind of crazy stuff then mm-hmm. you're probably going to take risks and Probably, probably not going to work so well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so safety first. Yeah, That's what it's... the referee says, protect your head at all times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good advice. Yeah. Oh, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, cool. Do you, get into, um, do you get into watching fights or you just like to sport yourself? Do um, you get into UFC or Muay Thai? Um, or? I, I, I watch um, Muay Thai fights. I'm not really a big fan of MMA. Um, oh, I just, my favourite. Is it? Yeah. yeah look, I love it. Look, there's, there's probably um, some MMA fighters – I'd enjoy watching, but also usually I just prefer to watch Muay Thai fights. Yeah. Um, Sanchai is a fantastic Muay Thai fighter, so I like to watch his fights. And where is he from? Um, Thailand. Mm. You should look him, look him up. Text. What was his name? He's a good character, Sanchai. 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 Yeah. Sanchai. Yeah. Right. Do you um, know I was in Thailand once and I went to the Muay Thai, and 
at I went, training camp or? No, 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 no. My best oh, friend yeah. just did that. I actually loved it. Yeah. Um, did oh, you watched, went to watch them? Yeah, nights. I went to watch yeah. it just when I was over there. I was in Bangkok by myself for two days before my buddy came and met me. And um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go watch a Muay Thai. This will be sick. And I didn't know, but it was like the 30 to 55 kilogram night. Oh, so it was like wow. Kids. Kids, yeah. yeah it was literally That's, kids. Kids can be tough to watch. Yeah. You know what I saw? Yeah. I saw a kid knock another kid out uh, with a spinning back elbow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, <gasps> like, I felt like I shouldn't have been in it's there. It's pretty confronting. Oh, God. It was, oh, God. It's confronting. I think, yeah. um, I don't know. Look, in, in Thailand, it's kind of what happens they a lot of the fighters start training when they're very mm. young and and that's a lot of for a lot of them that's how they're making a living for their families and things oh like really that. um but yeah it's it's for the western world it's probably a bit different it's pretty brutal it, it is pretty, brutal. it's hard watching someone get knocked out like that that's a grown adult yeah you know right yeah. it was also it let's be honest i was 24 and i was traveling through south Asia, so i was also kind of like oh yeah you know, but <laughs> yeah. it was it was pretty it was pretty it was pretty wild yeah Oh, it definitely is. Look, I think when you when it's an adult, um, and you know you know what you're signing up for, the risk of getting yeah. elbowed in the face, um, it's probably a bit different when when it's kids. So, what you reckon they get forced into it a little bit? Um, look, I, I don't know to be honest. Mm. I, I couldn't make a call on that. Yeah, but no, fair um, yeah, look, it's Muay Thai is part of the way of life over there in a lot of places. So, mm. um, yeah, I don't know. Fair cool. But yeah, it's, it's can be how long you've been going for because I always lose track. Um, yeah, no, fair enough. All righty then. So what about in the future, Lillian? Like you've got a lot of cool stuff going on. You still have your, you know, your modeling career. You have your, you know, healthy food recipes and, and your brand yep. there. And then, you you know, you're fighting on the side. Like yep. what is what does the next 10 years look like for you? Like what do you want to be doing with yourself? You know, I, I actually don't – I don't know. I don't cool. really plan Good things. Answer. I Good really answer. don't. No, I knew as soon as I said that you, yeah, that you would say after I what you said earlier. Plan. Yeah, look, I, I don't have a plan. <laughs> what I do – I want to be able to continue to have the freedom to do what I want to do when I want to do it. <laughs> it probably sounds That's great. Weird. That's just, the best plan ever. I, I just – I'm so much happier when I'm – Look, I've probably discovered work, working for myself and working on my own time frame is really important for me. Yeah. Um, and having the freedom to do things um, when I feel the need to do them. So as long as I can keep making a living in that way, then I'll just keep doing what I'm doing, I think. And um, I would like to obviously continue training, um, potentially fighting and developing recipes. They're all things that I, I truly do enjoy and I'd be doing them even if it wasn't part of earning my living. Yeah. Um, so I'd be doing those anyway. And modeling is, um, is a lot of fun but it's not something that I'm sort of invested in, you know, for the rest of my life. But, cool. um, yeah, it's fun when you work on a shoot with cool people. Mm. Oh, that was a good answer. I think everyone should take a little bit of advice from that answer really. Yeah. As to what we said earlier, you know, like you don't really need a plan if your plan is to live every day on your own terms and be happy doing it, you know. Exactly. That's the best plan. Yeah. That's the best plan you can have, I feel like. But. All right, cool. Well, um, where can people find out more about you? Where you got any links, um, any shout-outs for any of your yeah, stuff? Yeah, look, I've, I've got a website, <laughs> um, liliandickmans.com, um, and then just my social media channels, which is just Lillian Dickmans, um, and also Real Food Healthy Body is rfhb.com.au. Cool. Um, yeah, so kind of share various bits and pieces on those channels, so – Awesome. Check them out. 
All right, well, that was great. Thanks for coming in, Lillian. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No worries. And that's a wrap. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, listening. If you enjoyed the show, please support us by um, telling a friend, subscribing, giving us a review. You know, you guys know the protocol. You've probably listened to a lot of podcasts and um, there's always ways that you can help. Yeah, and, and one thing that you can always do is you can just tell a friend. If you really enjoyed a conversation that we've had, um, then, you know, go out and let somebody know. So uh, we're all about telling interesting and important stories and hopefully you guys get some value out of it. So, um, but before I go, make sure that you don't forget to support our sponsors. Our sponsors are trueprotein.com.au. That's True Protein. You can go to trueprotein.com.au and use the code BRO and you'll get 10% off. We're also brought to you by Yeti, premium cooler brand, the best in the business. You can head to yeti.com.au forward slash bro for all of their range. And then check out 20 hours free um, when you go to athena.co and book a demo to check out our virtual assistant outsourcing services. So that's it for me. See you next week.